When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be back with you on a Thursday. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and uh, we are loaded up. Plenty of football, hoops, volleyball, all that you can get before we head off on the road tomorrow at the single barrel inside the graduate. I can't wait to stare down a big old juicy steak at the single barrel and pick from over 250 whiskeys. It's gonna be feel good. It's gonna feel so good to to be out and uh, do that. Uh, welcome to join us today. Can uh, chime in. Numbers to dial up here on Hale Varsity Radio four six six three seven seven six four six six thirty seven seventy six eight hundred eight two five five eight six five. Can find us on Twitter. Give us a follow. Chris Schmidt at Schmidt underscore Radio or at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. Uh, is where you get him at Herbal Essence. Email chris at hailvarsity.com. I've kind of got one big thing for Nebraska-Purdue. We'll dive into that momentarily. Watched a lot of the volleyball last night, and uh, Brandon Vogel, uh, along with Jacob Padilla, our two resident volleyball experts. Wisconsin was just money. They had an answer. They had the digs, and I'm not Mr. Volleyball guy, so forgive me, but Every time Nebraska sent a missile their way, uh, there was somebody from Wisconsin making a play and uh, digging it out. And it was, hey, Nebraska played well. I know they didn't hit great. They didn't serve wonderfully. But Wisconsin was just money. was just money last night. So Nebraska will hopefully uh, see them again. Come NCAA tournament time. So we'll get Vogue's take on volleyball and uh, Purdue. A uh, new podcast has dropped with Brandon Vogel, the I-80 podcast preview. Check that out uh, on Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, and the Herd Ad Media Network. So do that. So Vogue's coming up here in 20 minutes. Our favorite sideline man, our favorite Viking, our favorite Charger, our favorite Panther, our favorite Bill, uh, Jeremiah Searles in one hour, Gary Barnett, in hour two as well, get Barney's take on uh, the Big Ten world as well as Nebraska. And then Burke's Best Bets previews at Green Bay, Arizona showdown tonight and why to stay the hell away from Purdue, Nebraska. Uh, so let's start off with hoops before we talk some football. And, you know, Nebraska, Peru State, it looked good in the end. For Nebraska, we're going to go uh, reverse order here. The final five and a half, you had a 19-3 to run to close things out. Uh, about midway through 
uh, the uh, the second half, you still had Peru State within striking distance. The pride of Parkview Christian, Henry Tanksley, uh, he's just a stud. Great kid. Loved covering him when he was at Parkview uh, Christian. Uh, was playing for Peru State. Uh, honorable mention, uh, honorable mention, All American last year. He's a big time scorer. Shot well last night. And our old buddy Garth Glitzman, uh, now in the NBA, coached Henry. So it was good to see Garth. Uh, find his way onto Twitter and put a picture up with him and and Henry uh, at PBA last night. But it just didn't start great for Nebraska. The end result, 97-58, wonderful. You got to see what Alonzo Verge is all about, uh, the difference-making he can bring. But, you know, it's 39-31 at half. uh, Around the the under-12 timeout, it's a two-point ball game. And what did our, our, our dear friend Andy Markowski say? Perimeter shooting, but the first thing he hammered when we talked about Nebraska basketball in 2021-2022 yesterday was rebounding. Rebounding, rebounding, rebounding. And that was not good. Rebounding's all about effort. Nebraska had guys in the paint, but just didn't get the ball. And if Peru State can be just minus one on the glass with you, where... It's 33-32, but they're plus eight on the offensive glass where they turn that into, I think, 12 or 14 second-chance points where they were 12-4 to four in advantage over you in their Peru State. And that's not a, not a knock. I mean, they hit, from, they hit from outside, but you get an offensive glass, you kick out, you catch, you fire, you hit the three, and uh, it, it will get better. But point blank, Elijah, it's got to get better. And... I think it's a uh, beaten-over-the-head type film session today for Nebraska with what they didn't do on the glass. Yeah, and I wonder how much of that is this team looking at Peru State and going, well, it's an exhibition game against an NAIA team. Because they they had some issues with closing out and some shooters early in the first half as well, uh, with rebounding, with boxing out, and that's just effort things. Especially whenever you know you have talented enough scores that you can go down and and be better scores than Peru State is, no matter what you're doing on the glass, no matter what you're doing uh, on the defensive side of things. I think that's uh, a bit of a worry, uh, just... I mean, short term, uh, whenever you look at this team overlooking an opponent. But you saw how they responded in the second half. Uh, they went on a couple runs in the second half to really extend that lead. I, I think uh, Fred probably hammered into them the fact that, you know, if you go beat a Peru State team by 20, it's not a good look for you. It's a bad look for you. So they kind of went out in the second half and, and flexed their muscle a little bit, shot the ball well. Uh, they, they showed how deep they were just in terms of fresh guys still coming off the bench. So uh, at the end of the day, a win's a win, and it's it's a warm-up game. You learn things from it. One of the things I think this team learned is how much they really need to focus on rebounding as the year goes on. Yeah, I mean, it, it's effort. It's little things. It's intensity. It's all uh, important here. But, you know, the big story, Alonzo Verge, he's experienced. He's talented. But uh, coming off the bench, 20 points, 7 to 10, 8 assists, 4 boards, 3 steals, 21 minutes, really flipped uh, the, the game, quite honestly. And uh, you, you've got a sweet 1-2 combo with that pick and roll with him and Derek Walker. D-Dub getting to the rim. I know uh, Nebraska from downtown was, was pretty good as well. But even against Peru State, Verge shows his value. Verge shows his importance. Uh, rebounding and perimeter defense. Nebraska won't be as as careless moving forward with some of their gambles defensively. You don't ever want to handcuff guys that are so athletic and good because when you look at McGowan's, 
Uh, I mean, Trey is so such a f- phenomenal athlete, right? And he's such a physical guy. He'll be able to to make life hell on whoever's trying to go for twenty and in ten. Uh, twenty points, ten assists that Nebraska is is gonna I would I would hope stick him on and he'll have to play both ends for sure. But rotation wise, uh you had d- nine different dudes and that's really the the other puzzle we're gonna talk about is Nebraska's rotation. You know, first half you had McGowan's, uh Trey and Bryce, you had Wiltshire, you had uh, Lat, you had uh Kise, and then you had uh Wilhelm uh off the bench. You about the nine minute mark in the second half where you had Kobe and Eduardo and Eduardo had a hell of a game too. He was nice, and then you had Trevor Lakes uh, come in as well. So that was that was pretty big. Look, Fred's going to have options, and Fred's going to have opportunity where he'll go with who he's most comfortable with off the bench. But if someone doesn't have it, he can go down the bench, assuming guys stay ready, right? And uh, let's hear from Coach Hoiberg and. Uh, first and foremost, you know, what, what did he see his main takeaways? You know, I give a lot of credit for Peru State coming in here and, and uh, giving us a good test, especially in that first half. I thought they came in with uh, uh, with a great aggressiveness. Uh, they really tested us off the bounce. I thought we got a little too aggressive at times defensively, which uh, a couple gambles, which led to rotations, and, and obviously they took advantage and, and made their open shots. You know, when we played solid, I thought we did a good job of, of contesting. First half defensively, transition was very good. And then the second half, they exposed us on the glass. And, you know, that's going to be my big theme all year long is, you is, is physicality and, and as the length and athleticism continue to go up starting on Sunday, we're going to have to grow in that area if we want to have a great uh, season. More from Fred Hoiberg. Uh, we, we're talking Verge and the Verge factor very real. Not only last night, it'll be that way Sunday against the Buffs. And as Nebraska gets into their non-conference, Verge is going to be huge, going to be key. Yes, one game possibly overreaction, but you saw the difference with Verge. Yeah, just the decision I made tonight. You know, obviously he started in the second. Would think that he will start on Sunday. You're absolutely right. When he went in there, the game completely changed with our pace. And I thought he made simple plays. Uh, got Derek, I want to say, four consecutive layups and, and got uh, uh, Keon, I believe, an open three. Uh, he just has great command and he's got a great presence out there. Can get into the paint. I thought he really made good, smart, uh, simple decisions once he got in there. So how about the five-star debut? And you saw an attack on the rim but the shots not really fall, that's that's okay. You've got a guy that's a phenomenal ball player, and uh, you're in front of a crowd, it's your first time out. Things will, will be quite okay uh, for, for Bryce McGowan's. And uh, Fred kind of touched on Bryce's night last evening. I thought Bryce, you know, his shots were all right there. I thought they looked good. I, I, I liked I liked how he hunted those shots. Uh, it's good to see him get out and transition and, and, and get the dunk. But, you know, he's such a gifted offensive player. Those shots are going to fall. And, um, you know, I, I thought he had good looks, and, and I thought he had good rhythm and tempo. They just didn't fall. I don't think that, that Bryce forced much. They just didn't fall. I thought he played within himself. Yeah, and he ended up having probably the worst shooting night, I think, statistically, when I was looking through the stats last night. I think he ended up having the worst statistical shooting night, and if that's happening for this Husker team, I think you're all right with it. Uh, if if your five-star who has uh, got all the length, I mean, honestly, against a lot of the guards that he's going to be seeing this year, uh, just getting some elevation on his jump shot, he's going to be getting a clean look. Uh, the shots will fall, and I, I think you're all right with him missing some shots, trying to f- get his rhythm going, because if he's a guy who can get his rhythm going offensively, I think he can 
change uh, the complete offensive outlook for this Husker basketball team just with the amount of attention you have to give him if he can get a shot going. Well, rebounding an issue, uh, that's got to change or be better. But when it comes to assists and unselfish play and uh, limiting turnovers, I mean, Nebraska, they can find the open guy and they can. Uh, this offense can potentially score with, with about anybody. And good luck finding multiple answers if you're an opposing defense, if this offense is on. Yeah, the most encouraging thing from last night, probably uh, from me, was that they didn't shoot the ball particularly well from behind the arc in the first half, and they came out and, uh, and really fixed those low shot over 50% in the second half and finished 50% on the night, 11 for 12 from three, or 11 for 22 from three, which is about where you want it for this Husker basketball team. 50% from three, I'll take it. You need, you need to hit about seven to eight a game. And uh, you can be around that that 7 for 20, 8 for 20, but if you're at 50%, it's nice. Switching gears to football, red zone, red zone, red zone. Sound the alarm. We've been talking red zone. We've hit on Nebraska's struggles where there's been empty trips, right? There's, There's an empty trip in the red zone against Sparty. There's an empty trip to start the game against Michigan. And uh, dare we go back to Minneapolis with uh, a couple of different empty trips, 10 points uh, for certain left on the field. And it's not just a Nebraska thing. You've got the Big Ten, really good story out of the Associated Press, where the Big Ten's 14 teams have combined for a conference low scoring rate in the last decade once they hit the 20. That was highlighted as we all dry heave in the nine overtime uh, thriller uh, with Illinois and and Penn State. Uh, the Big Ten offense is scoring 80% of their times inside the red zone, but that rate is just 55%. 55% when it comes to red zone touchdowns. That's your key. Turnovers, yes. But what's going to happen Saturday in the red zone is your decider, usually is, and Purdue... Uh, you think Nebraska struggles? They're not bad overall. We just kind of highlighted how tough it is in the Big Ten to score in the red zone. Nebraska at 63% with 24 touchdowns this year. Uh, they'll need to be getting sevens instead of threes, and I'm sure that's been a focal point. It's always a focal point. Uh, Purdue overall, uh, when it comes to uh, red zone scoring, they have allowed 21 trips to the red zone, uh, eight touchdowns and seven field goals. So it's not going to be easy for Nebraska on Saturday, you flip it around. You just go through the box scores where you've had some tight games with Purdue. They beat Illinois 13-9. to Two of their possessions, they were forced into two field goals, two for two in that win. Three trips into the red zone uh, on the road. Check that hosting Minnesota in that, that drench fest. 20-13, to Minnesota got the road win, bouncing back from vaunted Bowling Green. But Minnesota holding Purdue to three field goal attempts and uh, Purdue going two for three. Again, against Notre Dame, you're stuck on that 13 number. Played Notre Dame well. It was close. 27-13, the Irish won that rivalry game. But again, two more trips into the red zone where Purdue had to settle for field goals instead of touchdowns. They pretty much hit their their peak against Oregon State, another uh, five-and-two football team. But that's going to be it. Purdue right now, on the season, uh, they are 13-27 in the red zone. They are at 48%. That's my math quiz average. 
back in the day, all 40 times I had to take uh, Math 101 or whatever the hell it was. But legit, I mean, listen, they've, they've scored uh, 21 out of 27 times. But, uh, again, you're 13 touchdowns and, and eight field goals. And Nebraska, I think, what, 14 touchdowns coming in. Uh, but there's been eight trips, right? Eight trips Nebraska has this year where they, they've gotten zero points. They've missed field goals, and they've been shut out in the red zone. Again, uh, you go back to the Minnesota game. You go back to the Michigan game. There's your answer for Saturday. It's going to come down to tackling and keeping an eye on David Bell, getting after the quarterback, protecting Adrian, getting the run game going. Yes, 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 yes on all those bullet points. But when push comes to shove, it's going to be emphatic every game, yes, but specifically Saturday. You want to you chance the rest of the season. Rest of the season. Right, Wisconsin's important, Ohio State's important, Iowa's important. You gotta win Saturday. Gotta take it. Gotta take it down. Brandon Vogel on the way with Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio listen? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome. Searles on the way. We'll check in with Coach Barnett. We welcome in Brandon Vogel. He is a barbecue judge. He is a podcaster. He is your managing editor with HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. His podcast, the I-80 Preview Podcast, has dropped. Uh, keeping with the scary, spooky week, the uh, psychological thriller. Vogue's Exorcist was on last night. Are you uh, going to watch that or are you going to pass? Uh, it's been a while since I've watched that. That is one of my favorite. Uh, I'm not typically huge into horror movies but that's one that that still holds up for me so i in fact i own it on dvd so maybe i I will have to dust that off brother i i don't have a vcr that works anymore but i've got it on tape (laughs) (laughs) wow there you go Uh uh-huh the old uh, 599 target bin man uh yeah so but yeah that that movie freaks me out it's messed up uh moving on uh so with Nebraska, we'll get to volleyball in a moment, and I, all I can do is just like shake my head and go, wow, about Wisconsin last night. Uh, but with football, we just kind of highlighted you know, this, this thing being really about the red zone. We talked protection and turnovers and Adrian and all that, but Purdue's not great in the red zone. Nebraska's been really better, quite a bit better than, than Purdue, even though Nebraska's not where they want to be red zone-wise. Uh, what's, what's your take here? Do you think Nebraska has been able to refine what they can do, what they want to do, what they feel comfortable doing uh, once they get uh, inside the 20? I think, they're, I think they're getting closer for sure. Um, you know, you look at their numbers there, like in terms of their overall scoring percentage, not quite as high, but in terms of uh, touchdown percentage, they hold up pretty well. And, you know, Steve Marek, um our football beat reporter wrote a good, took a good look at that last week during the bye week. Um, Nebraska has been really run heavy in, in the red zone, which is good. Like if you can still find the end zone doing it that way, um, that's probably the preferred way to do it. Uh, I think there's also just having kind of a deeper group of, of wide receivers also helps down there, even if they're not, you know, making making a ton of touchdown catches because it just gets tough when it's compressed at least that threat is there and that can often be enough for for a team so 
for Nebraska getting better in the red zone. It's better than it has been. Um, I, I don't know if I'd say they're excellent at it yet, but you're right. They seem to have an edge in that, that category going into this one. What do you make of Purdue? I mean, you've got Bell. You've got a really good tight end. I know their run game is on a milk carton. They have 48 quarterbacks they throw behind center. Uh, is it kind of just come down to trust for Purdue, Purdue? I mean, not being able to run the ball, and I know the, the field obviously shrinks inside the 20. Yeah, you know, Purdue generally, um, like overall looking at the team, I, I kind of like the Boilermakers. I mean, they're better than I think they've been in the past, like probably two seasons. You know, they're still not one of those teams that's kind of risen up to – uh, undeniably, I mean, they did crack the top 25 a week ago. I and, mean, yeah, you, you beat the number two team in the country in their place, and you get, should get some credit. I thought that was a little high, but maybe not. You know, as I've taken a deeper look at the Boilermakers this week, I mean, the losses are <laughs> look pretty good when you, when you stop and think about it. Notre Dame and um, Michigan and Minnesota, I believe. Um, and then they've got a win over Oregon State, which looks pretty good right now. So they're, they're a team that has a signature playmaker on, on both sides of the ball, and their defensive moves. They've got three guys listed as co-defensive coordinator. And, you know, this is a program that kind of shuffled through trying to figure out uh, what they were going to do, <laughs> trying to find a, a defense that could, that could help with an offense that, that threatens you in one specific way. And they seem to have finally hit on something this year. In the red zone, though, their kind of role as the most pass-dependent team in the Big Ten, I think is where that shows up a little bit. So it gets tougher down there. There's less ground to cover defensively. And if you can't run the ball, um, it, it, it gets really, really hard. And, you know, Purdue's a, a team that hasn't been that interested in running the ball. I mean, I'm sure they'd love to do it if they felt they could. But – it's been three seasons now where you just look at it and you kind of look at that run game and say, well, that's off over there. Even they don't try to use it that much. <laughs> Brandon Vogel's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, and Brandon, with that Purdue defense, it's not like the, the defense we're accustomed to seeing from Purdue over the past couple of years, but they still do have that, that pass-first offense. Uh, so would you say as a whole this team is still Brom-like? Or, or, or Husker fans in for a bit of a surprise on Saturday when they see uh, the type of team that rolls into Lincoln? Uh, offensively, they're definitely pretty pretty Brom like. Um, you know, they'll they'll throw every kind of pass in the book. I mean, there's with a, a receiver as ta- talented as David Bell is, they they do a really good job of targeting him. Like it, there's there's no instance where it's like, well, let's just look to the other side to spread things around. It's like, no, if David Bell has an advantage, they're going to keep going there. Um, so you've got that piece of it, and he's the kind of guy where it just makes sense to to take some shots downfield because he's going to win uh, a majority of those balls. But they'll throw the ball out of the backfield. Um, their tight ends are second leading receiver on the team right now. They'll use the tight end. They'll do all sorts of, you know, trick plays are, are often a big, well, not a big part, but you usually see one or two from Purdue um, each game. And they had one against Wisconsin with two quarterbacks on the field that did not work at all. But you got to spend time preparing for that stuff. So offensively, very much feels that way. Defensively, it kind of looks and feels like a, a, a Big Ten defense, which I think is the most noticeable change Husker fans will probably see on Saturday. I'm interested to see where, where Nebraska's interior is at Saturday, just because I, I know 
Karloftis is is the headliner. He's really awesome. But they've also got some dudes on the interior that have done well and and had success uh, getting interior push. So that isn't going to be any fun. (laughs) You got some dude screaming off the edge, and then you got potentially, you know, Nebraska's two guards uh, need to play one of their better games, Brandon. Otherwise, it could be a long day for Adrian. Yeah, they do. And, and Purdue is is a program that at least as long as I've been, you know, kind of covering its intersection with Nebraska in the Big Ten, has, has always been one of those teams where you look at the defense and it's not necessarily one of the top in the Big Ten, which, you know, is a tough, a tough uh, group to crack on its own. But they, it, it always seems like they've had at least one or two really impressive uh, and somewhat under the radar defensive lineman. Now, Karloftis obviously is not, but it, they have that kind of regular complement of, of guys there who you got to account for and you got to take seriously and, and deal with there. Purdue's doing a great job, <clears throat> well, both ways, really, um, kind of keeping things pinned in defensively. And Nebraska's been really good at that, too. You know, we kind of look at these Frost Brom matchups and, you know, it's, it's not. It's not Iowa, Wisconsin this week, you know, where you're kind of like, oh, get ready for, get ready for a puntathon. You think of offense <laughs> first with these two coaches, but this might be kind of a tough slog for a while on Saturday, based on how these two defenses have kind of advanced this year. You know, I think it is going to be lower scoring uh, on on Saturday, but you know, we'll see if Nebraska can bring it. What a turn attention to uh, Nebraska volleyball, Vogue's your book, uh, Dream Like a Champion. With John Cook, uh, you cover the program well, and Jacob was on side. Jacob Padilla, uh, great coverage. Swept. I, Wisconsin was just too good. They matched Nebraska defensively, and I, you know I'm not a Mr. Volleyball at all. I love it. I respect it. I just don't know it that well. But every time Nebraska sent a missile other side of the net, there was an incredible dig by Wisconsin. What's your takeaway? What's your reaction to last night? Yeah, it's it, it's one that stings on on a couple of fronts. I think if you're a Nebraska fan today, because well, one, Wisconsin has become the program in the Big Ten that Nebraska hasn't been able to beat of late, and that doesn't happen very often. Um, it doesn't happen anywhere very often. You know, you had Texas in, in the Big Twelve, where it was kind of Nebraska and Texas squared off, but that always seemed to go pretty back and forth for a while. Um, Nebraska had its chances. That, that's the other part that kind of sticks with you from from last night. It started off pretty slow in that first set and then fought all the way back, and Wisconsin was just a little bit better. And then again in the third set, it looked like, oh, well, maybe Nebraska has a chance here, and, and Wisconsin was just a little bit better. And the thing with this Wisconsin team is they were you know, very, very good a year ago. And they got all basically all of their talent back via super seniors. So you kind of look at it, and this doesn't happen very often to the Huskers in a volleyball season. But that Wisconsin team is just stacked, and you start going position by position, and say, okay, who would you take here if you were just drafting a volleyball team? And Wisconsin is probably wins, you know, that that starting six is probably majority of Wisconsin. And it's not very often you can say that about uh, a Nebraska team. It's just they did a great job. It's kind of this group has come together and been together for a long time. And it's, it's one that Nebraska has to figure out a way to beat still. 
Brandon, still not much Lexi son in the lineup last night. Do you think that Cook still has his lineup that he wants moving forward? Or after that that uh, result against Wisconsin last night, do you, do you see some uh, changes coming to the starting rotation? Um, I don't know if we'll see changes to the starting rotation quite this quickly, but you know, it was interesting that when Nebraska, up to this point, when it had won ten straight Big Ten matches. You know, Lexi kind of came into into these games at, at a pretty regular time, and with things, you know, with Wisconsin taking those first two, and and things getting a little bit, you know, it was clear they were tilted the Badgers' way. Um, she did get inserted earlier, so I, I think with a tougher stretch of matches coming up for Nebraska, that might be something where okay, you know. We made that we made that change, which is a tough thing to do when you're talking about somebody who's played as much volleyball as she has. But it worked to the point where Nebraska won ten straight. Now schedule difficulty ramps up a little bit. It might be a spot where a more veteran kind of approach starts to have a little bit more value. Well, Barnes was totally the difference last night for for Wisconsin with with her 24 digs 66 total digs for Wisconsin and you you're right on Nebraska had their chances they were able to especially that third set they were up you know 11 to 7 and then whiskey put that that run together the, Wisconsin's just a machine and hopefully Nebraska will get a uh, another crack at them here at NCAA tournament time Vogues Vogues what's coming up here about 15 seconds from you with Hale Varsity bud yeah, so as you mentioned earlier, I-80 Preview came out this morning, so you can check that out for a full kind of in-depth breakdown of the game. And then we'll have basketball has returned, so excited to get involved there um, with continuing coverage of that. And otherwise, it's kind of a big Saturday for Nebraska in terms of how the rest of this season goes and how we all feel about the rest of this season. So feels like a pretty high-tension moment. Big time for sure. Vogues, you take care. We'll talk Saturday, bud. Sounds good. Thanks. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Open phones for you till 5. Want to jump in? Can do it. 466-377-6800-825-5865. Your one stat to... Think about and take away from Saturday's 2.30 kickoff red zone. Who wins the red zone, right? Touchdowns over field goals, normally a given anyway, but very important with Nebraska-Purdue. Elijah, you have been Mr. Optimist. Optimism gets out of Dodge if they don't beat Purdue for the rest of the year. It's already tight. And, And Vogue's nailed it. Perfect way to phrase it. High tension ball game Saturday, right? And, and we've had a thousand of these. Every week's been high tension because it just keeps stacking on top of one another. Where uh, Nebraska loses as a favorite, everyone lights torches. What direction is the program going? And should changes be made? And then you go, and we hear about it and we talk about it until the next opportunity to to feel better in, with a win or a great effort against a, a team with a small number next to their name. Well, Purdue ain't ranked, but Purdue's one you got to get. And uh, say Nebraska gets Purdue, that door is still open through some of Elijah's creative math. 
uh, for a for a chance for us to make a another trip to Indy, right? <laughs> I mean, it's it's that simple. You beat Purdue. Here comes the Big Ten West. Well, it, I'm kind of kidding. Well, what you got to do is it starts out with Nebraska. They got to get their uh, their three wins against the three teams that are left on the schedule. Where you go, okay, Nebraska should be able to play a close game here. That's Purdue, Wisconsin, and Iowa. If you can get win those three, even with a loss to Ohio State. Nebraska is four and five in the conference and four and two in the division. If you remember, if you remember how the Big Ten standings work, it starts off with your overall conference standings. Right, that, that's your what crossovers are included. That, that's what that's what starts off by the by ranking the Big Ten West. Is the division does not matter. The division ranking does not come into play unless you are tied in your conference ranking. So if Nebraska can go and win three of their last four, they'll finish four and five in the conference. And every team in the West has a chance to finish four and five in the conference. Including Iowa. I need a lot of help. Iowa would have to go one and four with a win over Minnesota to finish the year. That would be losses to Northwestern, Nebraska, Wisconsin, and Illinois. But they got to take down Minnesota. They'd have to take down Minnesota, though, because you need Minnesota to also go one and four to finish the uh, the conference slate here. So it's all doable. Someone's going to fade. Wisconsin will either fade. Minnesota will fade. Iowa will fade. They they all play each other, and then Nebraska's in that mix as well, not having uh, already obviously have, having played Minnesota and, and lost. But, but let's not forget here: if Nebraska does finish the year three and one, they'll be four and two in the West, which mm-hmm. isn't bad in the grand scheme of things. To to be four and two in the West, there's a lot of teams that could be finishing around that four and two mark. Uh, the, the question is: is well, all the other teams also fall to four and five in conference play. That's that's the tough. That'd one That'd be very it. Big Ten of them. <laughs> Awful in the red zone and sub five hundred in your own league. Ken emails in Chris at HaleVarsity.com. That's enough silliness. Please stop. LOL. <laughs> we we had to we had to tease you a little bit. Hey, it's possible. There's We're four I, and five. I have seen wilder things. Crack in a sports. beer. Not many wilder things, but if Leicester City could win the Premier League, Nebraska can win the Big Ten West. Thank you. Where's Leicester City located? Well, Leicester, England, obviously. Well, I didn't know that. In the I city mean, of Leicester. Le- okay. <laughs> uh, Leicester, right. But you, like Man U, there's not, it's Manchester, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's short. I thought, I don't know if, if Leicester City was short for something else. Well, get this. It's not, it's spelled L-E-I-C-E-A. Yeah, see, I'm, I'm, I'm an idiot, but that's. It's, it's spelled Leicester. It's pronounced Leicester, but it's in the city of Leicester. All right. My dad knew a guy named Lester. Well, see, I think uh, that was the uh, the worst odds of any team to do anything in terms of like a season long go win the championship that has ever actually been won in Vegas is Leicester City going to win the Premier League. <laughs> so if if Leicester City can do it, Nebraska can go win the Big Ten West. Just just start with Saturday for the love of God. If you're a Nebraska fan, start with Saturday, make it happen, beat Purdue. And remind him as you shake hands after a win that, hell yes, it was a winnable game. Say it loudly. Scott Frost did uh, give some props to our old boy, JP, who's going to be hosting Real Red Reaction Saturday night uh, from the Graduate uh, Hotel at Single Barrel. And you're a part of that. Meg's a part of that. But uh, JP showed up to the uh, uh, post-practice presser today, rocking his Tennessee gear. Boy. My dad was a Cowboys fan, so I was an Oilers fan. That makes sense. All I was at the Astrodome watching Earl Campbell play when I was little. Nice. I used to let people smoke in there, and there was always <laughs> tons of smoke up at the top of the Astrodome. So, I loved, I had a, I had a Love You Blue t-shirt when I was three years old. Cousin Dino got for us, because he used to live in Houston. So, like, one of my first favorite football teams 
it was the Houston Oilers. And then Rozier played there and Jamie Williams and Steinkuhler. And I liked the Oilers and I loved their run and shoot. But I loved that that dude named Bum who had the biggest, coolest cowboy hat, Bum Phillips. And then Earl Campbell. I always retweet his highlights. It's great. That's pretty cool memories. Never got to see an Oilers game in the Astrodome because my, my folks were concerned about my precious lungs. Apparently, there's a hell of a lot of smoke in the Astrodome back in the day. But you missed out on your chance to go see Warren Moon. Warren would have been awesome. Yeah. I, I think JP did miss his chance there to, to go with a, uh, well, the Titans have Derrick Henry. They run the ball. I like teams that run the ball. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he, he could have gotten his point across to Scotty there. Well, Scott was in a good mood, but yeah, <laughs> great restraint by, by JP. You know what Tennessee does? They hand off and win in the red zone. <laughs> they score rushing touch. I like teams that score rushing touchdowns in the red zone. We'll have to ask JP about that. That was pretty good. But overall, more from Coach Frost here uh, when we talk about uh, the Purdue matchup. Uh, the, topic of, <laughs> the topic of juice came up because you've had a bye week to rest up. You've had two weeks to prepare for Purdue's offense and defense. Is that a concern Saturday? It's a 2.30 kick. You're worried about giving a damn about Purdue. Yeah, again, I, I don't want to make too much of that. Uh... You know, if we hadn't hadn't had juice, we wouldn't have responded when they got ahead. But um, there's always an edge you got to play with, and um, I see us bringing their step. So we know we got a good team coming in here and a big challenge, and um, they prepared well. This was awesome news. Yes, there's competition at kicker. We had competition. In fact, we had a, a kickoff one day uh, with four guys, and um, all four guys did pretty well. So we got a decision to make. But um, yeah, I think stepping away probably sometimes helps if you're in a little bit of rut or uh, going through something uh, in your mind. So it probably did some good to get a week off. And uh, lastly, you got to know where the bell is. Bell's incredible. Uh, Had the one big total Nebraska moment last year where two guys collide and all of a sudden, oh no, it's a seven-point ball game. 89 yards later, what's Nebraska going to do to stop Bell? We've talked about that. You know, that he's going to get his balls. I think just trying to limit big plays is the key. I don't think you're ever going to take a guy like that completely out of the game. So, you know, we just got to try to do our best to, to limit explosives. Got to manage him, right? We talk about how bad Purdue is in the red zone. Uh, one way you fix that is if you go 89 yards. Same with Nebraska and their big play capability. They've had a boatload of them. They just haven't taken as many as they'd like to the house. We'll wind down Hour 1. Jeremiah Searles next hour. Hail Varsity continues presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. Hail Varsity Radio Thursday presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Our favorite sideline man, Jeremiah Searles. In about 10 minutes, Gary Barnett. Checks in at 525. Burke's best bets from VEASAN Sports Network. Danny Burke. Uh, we're on the road tomorrow. Single Barrel. Come see us 4 to 6. Is a live show on the road inside the graduate of the Single Barrel. Get a steak and a whiskey. You'll love it. Help empower our road shows. Your friends at Ferris Financial Group. Their goal to educate, coach, and help you work towards your investment goals. And their specialty is strategy. But they can also help with budgeting, planning, 
in that overall setup of strategy, uh, whether you're in a time of transition, starting a new job, or making a job change. And they'll help you figure out the direction you want to go with retirement planning. And uh, anywhere in between, give Marcus Schmidt a call today with Ferris Financial Group, 402-525-6824. Marcus.Schmidt at LPL.com can find out more about Ferris Financial Group. Log on today. Check their website out. Uh, Decades of experience and, uh, of course, uh, taking care of you with your financial goals. FerrisFinancialGroup.com. Also, Arrow Brokerage, a full-service real estate uh, group that is full of just incredible folks that are local, that are there, and they specialize with that investment you want to make in real estate. And they can help out when it comes to staging or buying or selling or just investing in real estate. Be sure to get in contact with Jenny Limbach or Marcus Schmidt, uh, both with Aero Brokerage. And uh, i tell you this, uh, can find different ways to get in touch with them. Uh, brokerage at AeroLincoln.com. The website's AeroLincoln.com backslash brokerage. And the Facebook, AeroLNK. And on Instagram, it's Aero underscore Lincoln. So uh, find out ways to get in touch with Aero Brokerage, Ferris Financial Group. So we've spent time talking Nebraska. Red Zone is, is your number one key. Uh, along with all the other things, protection and turnovers and Adrian's legs and all that good stuff. But find ways to make seven a reality versus a three uh, uh, Saturday uh, against Purdue. But level of exhaustion, Elijah. We'll get into that with Jeremiah a little bit. And and he's faced it and felt it as a player with the the ups and downs of a season. A lot of uh, heart-stopping wins and some tough losses. But I think Nebraska fans right now are, are, I don't want to say in a holding pattern, but Minnesota really turned out the lights on the hope, right? What's, what's this season going to be? Uh, and and what, what do you make of this season? Really, it's been fascinating. It, it's been too tempting and too teasing. But it's, it's another chance and opportunity for Nebraska to do what you think they're capable of doing. And Purdue's one of those teams that, I mean, they've shown the ability to play top 25 football. They did so against Iowa on the road, but they've also shown the ability to, to just not be great themselves in one-score games. So is the question you're asking here, what's more exhausting, playing eight straight weeks of football against a couple top 25 teams or sitting on your couch and watching those games? Is that the question you're asking? No, I'm not. It's, it's, <laughs> it's no, no doubt more exhausting to go eight straight weeks. No doubt with that. But it's a reality right now, and you got a fan base that they'll show up, they'll be loud, they'll be ready to go at 2.30 uh, against Purdue. Another ESPN2 showdown, which is nice. Good exposure. But uh, show them the right things if you're the Big Red. Searles is next. Coach Barnett on the way. Hour two shortly with Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back with you, Tower 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. 
We welcome in our favorite sideline man, our favorite uh, Charger and Panther and Bill in Viking and uh, Deer Hunter. Jeremiah Searles with us at Searles71 underscore HSKR. That's where you follow him on Twitter and you hear him uh, do great work on the sidelines. Searles, what are you doing? No, I just got back from down at the stadium, filmed this week's Tale of the Tape, got the, the podcast podcast out, Sideline Scoop with Searles recorded, and, uh, you know, just getting ready, kind of geared back up for Husker football. I needed a nice little reprieve for the last, last couple of weeks. Don't, uh, don't doubt it. Is, is there screaming in the household? There is, I mean, there's children in the household, so there's always screaming in the household. It's just a matter of what level of screaming is involved. I was making sure it wasn't you watching the, uh, the, the front four of Purdue. No, it's definitely not. I mean, there's only one guy in Purdue that scares me. His name's George Kloffman. So St. George is the guy. Searles, let's go there real quick, briefly. And uh, as you've uh, taken your, your notepad out and the pen ready, you know, what what kind of impresses you with this Purdue defense and what uh, what looks like maybe a feast perhaps for the Nebraska offense? You know, it was hard studying the film because the last two weeks the Purdue defense has gone against an offense that is basically nothing like ours, right? I mean, you look at this offense – and they played against, or this defense when they went against Iowa, and then they go against Wisconsin. Both teams that get under center, both teams that have fullbacks in the game, and they're running, I mean, a lot of in between the tackle power runs versus you haven't seen them really have to try and defend the option or the outside zone or the RPO very much in the last few weeks. So studying has been a little different because it's not real sure what to expect out of them. But I think that if I'm a betting man, if Purdue's going to look to how to stop Nebraska's offense, they're going to turn on Minnesota's tape and say, okay, what did they do? How did they take away the triple option? How did they take away the zone read? What did they do? They dropped a safety down low. They put two guys in the quarterback and they forced Adrian to hand it off. And so I think that they're going to do that a lot with Karloftis, or Karloftis down there on the defensive end side. And I think that they're going to be very much play back and try and force our run game through the running back, especially if, Ramirez, uh, not full go. I'm assuming that he is, but I think they're really going to make our running backs run on them this week and try and take Adrian away. Well, and, and Purdue's gonna gonna make Nebraska prove they can run the ball without stacking a box. Purdue's got everyone else has been able to get pressure with four. If I'm Purdue, I'm dropping seven, aren't you? Absolutely. I mean, you make them, you make them stop your front four, and then if they stop your front four then you send the pressure. And they don't pressure a lot. Purdue's not a big pressure team, but when they do dial it up, they come out with something, whatever the flavor of the day is, is what I like to call it, the blitz of the week. And, I mean, they hit one on Wisconsin where the running back missed the corner coming off the edge, and it was a sack sack fumble that ended up into points for them. So when they do dial up a blitz, it's been schemed, and they do it against a certain look. So I'd be curious to see how early uh, Obrami there dives into his bag of tricks as well. Jeremiah Searles with us, Hale Varsity Radio, uh, sideline man for Nebraska football and standout Husker, a longtime NFLer, joins us. So, Searles, uh, what what were your guys' pet plays, either in the NFL or at Nebraska? You guys didn't have problems. You had good kickers at Nebraska, but you guys, you guys scored a, a lot of explosive plays, but you also were able to punch it in with, with uh, Amir in the red zone or Rexy in the red zone. That's that's big as well. But what was your go-to? What were you guys super confident with, and why were you so good in the red zone? 
I mean, we were confident with our inside run game when we got to the red zone. And I think that when you get down to the red zone, everything gets so caught up and everything just shortens. The whole field just shortens, right? And so we always loved going to our zone read because the, the zone read down there is it's really hard to make a team or make the defense right. Because if you block the run the exact right way, you should be able to get it a walk in because those linebackers are going to be in there are going to be at four or five yards. You get them blocked up and those safeties are there, but they have to, they don't have the full 10 yards to find the run fit, right? When they have the field, when you're out there and their safeties are at 12, 13 yards, and they can find the run fit because they run up on it, great. But when you're inside the 10 or inside the 15, those safeties are standing at 10 yards, they get lost in the sauce. They, they get lost in everything in there, so you can pound it in. And then if they want to crash off the end and the quarterback pulls it, usually the defensive end doesn't track them down until five, six, eight yards in, and so it's usually a walk-in. So I love the zone read when you get inside the 15-yard line. I think it's one of the better plays that we used to run both in Minnesota and when we got to uh, when we were here in Nebraska. And the other one we loved, I loved the G scheme pull uh, where we'd pin on the front side, pull the guard outside, and we'd toss it to Rex. If you recall, that was the Ohio State big touchdown we had on the comeback. We ran that play like 10 times in a row. So we, we had some staples we went to, but I, honestly looking at this football team, I'm not sure what their staple is when they get in the red zone. Does Nebraska's personnel match up with that, that G scheme pull you're talking about? Could they do that? They do. They, they do a version of it. It's a little different than we used. We used to pull the front side guard and pull him around, and we used to toss it to Rex or Amir, kind of even out of the gun, and toss it around the edge. They like to pull the backside guard on the option now, and so they have the backside guard pull because it freezes up that defensive end where he doesn't know if it's a kick play underneath or if it's the option, and so it allows the guard to either pull around and seal him or it allows the guard to kick him out and you can hit it up underneath. But I think that I like the way that they run that G-scheme front side option play, too. It's a really nice one. The big thing is we've been trying to run speed option into the boundary a lot, and what you're going to see is teams are going to start doing what I call squeeze and scrape, Mm -hmm. which means the defensive end is going to squeeze that tackle down into that B-gap, and the linebacker is just going to replace him, scrape over the top into the C-gap, which then leaves you two guys standing out there on the edge for the option, which is never a good thing. Minnesota did that, which is what Scott was talking about at halftime with me talking about how they're taking most of the option games. So again, they're going to see that on tape, and I think Purdue's going to try and mimic some of that as well. And, Charles, when we're talking about that option, we've, we've heard out of uh, practice this week, Adrian looks healthier, he looks a little bit more fresh. Do you think that's going to make the, uh, the option games a whole more effective, or, or do you think that uh, Purdue's going to come in with a, with a better game plan than some teams early in the year did? You know, I, I think that him being fresh obviously helps. But the one thing I will say Minnesota did is they sold out on the fact that, like, if Adrian's going to run option – we're going to hit him and make him pay for it. Every time Adrian pitched that ball, there was one guy that knew his responsibility was the quarterback, and he was going to hit Adrian. He wasn't going to try and play the middle game of like, hey, maybe I can tip the pitch or maybe whatever, like play that middle field. No, the people in Minnesota, the defensive coordinators, geared up a really nice plan for that triple option to where they said, you are responsible for the quarterback. If you see option coming at you, your job is to just hit the quarterback, force him to pitch it, but make him think about pitching it next time. And so I would anticipate a lot more of that from our opponents as we move forward here because it was effective. Searles, uh, let's go to what Saturday is about. And it's been an interesting season where Nebraska's been right there against 
a loaded group of top 10 teams. Nebraska's not done well as a favorite on the road. Now they get a chance to to be a favorite at home. First time since Northwestern. And I'm, I'm interested here on how you've felt about the season. Where has it been draining? Has it been exciting? Where are you at? Put your put your ex-player hat on for a second. Also, look at it from, from your job now as the sideline man, as you've been able to, to, to be up close and personal for every game. Uh, you can see progress, but you want to see that, that progress result in a win. Yeah, I mean, looking at the program, and I tell people all the time, people are like, Nebraska's a bad football team. And I have a hard time saying that because I've been around bad football teams. Shoot, I was on a bad football team in Buffalo. We were 6-10. and 10. And this, to me, is not a bad football team. And that's the frustrating part is I look at it, and from 2018 to where we are now, I can see the strides that have been made. But that's because I can see it from more of an analytical piece because I played the game. But really, I mean, in the grand scheme, in the national media, in Really, in life, I mean, it's about W's and L's, right? It's about production, and we haven't quite been able to do that, and we haven't been able to get those W's that we needed to, and that's the part for me that's like, where's the disconnect? Because there is one. There's a disconnect somewhere, and I can't figure it out. I don't know if Scott can figure it out, but there's just something that we're not all on the same page about, which is what that – that's what generates wins. That's what allows you to find those ways to win in those crazy hard games or crazy close games. And as the former player in me, I never really questioned sometimes where it's like it got close down at the end. And I mean, we were in a ton of comeback games my junior and senior year. And we always just knew like, Hey, we're going to go win this game. Like that was just in our mindset. And we did it a few times, which is what I think was allowed us to, to keep doing it. And this team just hasn't been able to do it. And, Scott said at his press conference on Monday where he's like, you know, I can see around the corner because he's been there, he's done that. But if you think about it, nobody on this team has been on a team, has been on a, a college football team that's been able to go in and win it there at the end. And until we do, people just don't understand what that feels like. And it's going to take some time. It's going to take a couple times being able to do that before people actually understand what it does feel like. Did it take just that first time for your group? Knowing that you can, can can pull one off, or did it have to be, all right, yeah, it's like a game of horse, you made the game winner, now prove it? it? It's about stacking them together. I think that it's about doing it once and understanding, okay, I understand how that feels, now go do it again. I mean, it's all about understanding the confidence level, because when you do something to where you can come in and you win the game at the end of the game, you then can go in the next week and prepare the exact same way, because what you did worked. Versus when you lose a game, you feel like you have to go back in next week and maybe tweak something, maybe a different way you prep or a different way you practice or a different look, a different scheme versus when you go in and you say, oh, wow, we won the game at the end of the game. Cool. Rinse and repeat exactly what we did last week versus when you go and have games like Michigan State and Michigan and Oklahoma where you almost did it, you're now changing certain things because it wasn't good enough. And so that consistency piece is really hard to build when you're trying to tweak things here or there each and every week. 
Jeremiah Searles with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Searles, I don't want to look too far ahead here, but I do want to look a little bit bigger picture at these last four games for Nebraska. How big is it for this Husker team to develop uh, and generate some momentum going into the offseason, especially uh, whenever Coach Frost is saying things like, we're trying to go to the transfer portal and trying to go to JUCO to get just a couple more pieces to get us over that that hump. Uh, how big will, be, uh, will it be to generate momentum uh, going into the offseason to get over the hump next season? Yeah, it's huge, and not even I me. Mean, we can look at it a big picture, but I think me, I'm looking at it as you have two two-week seasons coming up. You've got two weeks here where you got to play Purdue and you got to play the monster that is Ohio State, and then you get a little bit of rest, and then you get to go Wisconsin-Iowa. And I think that the goal, and I was talking about on Sports Nightly, the fact is you have to go, and your goal needs to go one and one and one and one. And what I mean by that is you beat Purdue, and then you know, hey, we got a really tough test against Ohio State. And then you go beat Wisconsin, and then you're looking at going, anything can happen against Iowa on Black Friday and Memorial Stadium, especially if we're playing for a bowl game. So you win the first one there, and then you're looking at it. And I think that if you can put good performances together over the next four weeks, I'm not saying we have to win all four games because I'm being realistic, Ohio State's going to be really hard to win. I think that you put good performances, you win a minimum of two out of the next four, you build some of that momentum going forward, but ultimately, the goal is to get to six to get to a bowl game. And I think it's possible, but it all starts on Saturday. It does. As you've been around things, you know, level of confidence Saturday. You're coming off a bye for Nebraska. They uh, are taking on a team they, they beat a year ago on the road. And there's not a lot of road wins, but Nebraska had that game comfortable for a while. And then you had the collision and the 89-yarder to Bell. Uh, is this thing low scoring? Is this high scoring? Uh, to me, it's all about red zone, man. We've hit on this all show long, and Nebraska's not been great in the red zone, but they're okay for the league. Purdue's been downright awful in the red zone. Yeah, I mean, I think that this is going to come down to us capitalizing on turnovers. They turned the ball over five times against Wisconsin last week, and Wisconsin only scored 30 points. If we get two or three turnovers, those need to turn into touchdowns every time. And I do think I do think Plummer's going to throw us a couple. I do think that he gets a little kills with the ball. They don't even attempt at running the ball most of the time. They just throw it all the time. So I, I can see this being a fairly high-scoring game on Nebraska's front, but I can see this being one, too, that we route them pretty good if we get them to turn the ball over. I think that if we, this is a game we can win by two touchdowns. I really believe that. I think this could be a 35-17 to 17 type of game. I, I, I think it just depends – what Nebraska shows up? Is it the Nebraska that played Michigan or is it the Nebraska that played Minnesota? That's that's the million-dollar question. Searles, last thought here. we got about a minute left. Looking at that Husker defense, Miles Farmer's going to have to step up and fill some big shoes from Deontay Williams, especially whenever you have such a deep threat uh, in David Bell coming to town. Uh, what do you think he does on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, he's got a great test in him, but – I'm looking for a lot of guys in that secondary to step up to fill that role. You're not going to be able to fill it with just one guy, but Miles Farmer's going to step up, but Cam Taylor-Britt's going to have to have a big day against David Bell. I mean, this was kind of his coming out party last year when he played really well against David Bell. I mean, if I don't remember the safety that ever ran into him last year, doesn't run into him, that game is different. And so I think with Cam Taylor-Britt, if you want to go play in the NFL, dude, go shadow this kid. Go shadow this kid and, and, and shut him down and let him – and let it like go do your thing. But as far as the, the back end goes, very, very interested. Mile Farmer's going to get his opportunity, and it's going to be kind of a glimpse of what we might get next year. 
Well, I'll tell you what, Farmer, uh, his debut against Northwestern, two picks was good. He's comfortable there. He's he's had to do starting duty before. And uh, Cam's, Cam shut down uh, Dodson for Penn State a year ago. I think Cam will be up for this. Searles, the best to you and your fam. We'll talk uh, more about Bambi next week, okay? Sounds good. Appreciate you, man. There he is, Jeremiah Searles. Mr. Sideline for Husker football at Searles71 underscore HSKR is where you follow him. Gary Barnett's on the way. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Excited to talk some college football. Hall of Fame coach Gary Barnett, Colorado and Northwestern. Coach, are you taking the sticks with you to, to Oregon? No, not taking the sticks. I just made my migration from Colorado to Arizona, and I had my uh, sticks shipped, and they're not here yet. Oh, and man. I've got to go to Eugene tomorrow, so... Uh, just no, no, no time for it. Well, business trip. Uh, we'll get into the buffs and ducks here in a little bit. Incredible weekend to college football, and it's all centered on the Big Ten. A lot of questions to, to get answered, Coach Barnett. And I want to start with just the topic of, of assistant coaches and making changes. I know Colorado did that on the offensive line. There's been some question marks here locally about some of Nebraska's offensive staff uh, post-Minnesota to Tough, tough ball game there for Nebraska. Now they they try and gear up for Purdue, who has a good defense, a really good front seven. And what was your philosophy? And I don't know if you ever had to make changes on your staff or if guys kind of got out knowing that they weren't getting the job done. How did you approach that with guys that you either you hired or you'd been with that that you brought in to be part of your staff? I was fortunate. Uh, first of all, my philosophy was always my secondary coach and my offensive line coach are going to be, I'm getting the two best guys out. I mean, you always want the best guys, but you are, you're going after proven entity and you, you know, you're, you've got to have two guys in those positions, those two positions that are just really good. So that was always my, my first, uh, that and my strength coach. So in the case of the offensive line, you know, I had great offensive line coaches, really all the way through and uh, uh, my career and I had only one time did I have a secondary coach that I probably thought didn't totally buy in but that was it the rest of the time I had I had guys that could uh, could really do a great job in both those positions I did never I never did let anybody go I only let one coach go in my career I really didn't do that I really just demoted him as a result of the demotion he went ahead and left you know those coaches are your family too it just wasn't my style I, I was reading a lot about the Ted Lasso influence now on college coaching and I think I probably was more along the old Ted Lasso lines than than uh, blood and guts uh, uh, Nick Saban style so um, it, I, I was fortunate I, I wouldn't have done that I didn't have to um, but uh, everybody's got it you know d- different circumstances in every situation and until you're in those shoes and boots, you don't you don't really know what's going on, or what's transpired to force the issue. So you just got to make good decisions. You know, you got got to hope your decisions are good decisions. And you know, they're they're fifty fifty lots of times. And 
some of them work out, some of them don't. And there's sometimes there's just no predictability. It's like making a call on fourth down in a game. You know, really, uh, you you really have no idea if it's going to work. You're, you're just <laughs> it's a feel thing. And, you know, I'd, I'd say the same thing happens with, uh, you know, with coaches as well. Gary Barnett's with us. Do you ever try the uh, the old Ted Lasso mustache? I assume you've seen the show. Oh, I have seen the show. Actually, I'm say, I'm going to start season two uh, tonight. You're going to love uh, it. You're going to love it. Yeah, I know. That's what everybody says. But uh, uh, no, I haven't done the mustache. I've done other couple things pretty goofy, <laughs> but I, I haven't done that. Coach, want to get your thoughts on Nebraska and Purdue and Coach Frost spending more time last week during the bye week where Nebraska was put in some some high stress situations, uh, sudden change moments. And sometimes it went well, sometimes it didn't. And, and Coach Frost kind of got on the guys. And uh, how often did you did you simulate those pressure moments, be it a two minute drill, be it a fourth and goal? How big a part of your your, your week's work was that emphasized? practice those situations every week what you end up doing is having something happen to you in a game that you may not have seen before and you weren't aware of it but once it happens then you install it as part of the part of your practice plan and uh, what those high stress situations and two minute situations have have happened and it's almost every single time if something comes up in that pressured situation that you haven't covered. And so it's a great learning situation for coaches and for players. And you just you just keep a list, you know, and you go in the meeting after that practice and you go, guys, put this on your list, the things we have to cover. Have, have you ever seen this? No, coach, I haven't seen that. Me either. And so it, it's just constant learning. And uh, you think you would know everything uh, as many years as many of us have been in it or were in it, that uh, you, you, you could cover everything. But I'm telling you, every every year some things pop up that I would never have thought about. I would never have thought about uh, having a, the quarterback grab the ball out of a running back's hand to go get the first down. You don't coach that. You know, that just happened. Then you go, this week, I'll guarantee you, guys are coaching it, and kids watched it. Um, you know, I remember back, I was talking to Bob Churchich about the the fact that none of us were ever taught to reach the ball out at the goal line or to put your hand out with the ball and hit the pylon, I wouldn't, we would never have thought about. It. Now all of a sudden, you know, everybody does that mm-hmm. and they're taught to do it and they practice it. So you, you just never know. But uh, it, those are valuable, valuable moments in those stressful situations. Gary Barnett's with us, Sale Varsity Radio. Coach, what do you think of Nebraska-Purdue? Vegas says seven. Do you get Iowa-Purdue or do you get Wisconsin-Purdue? And what Nebraska do you get? Help me figure it out. Yeah, well, that's that's the big question, Mark. You sort of have to look at your numbers and, and see, uh, at least in Nebraska's case, they have an offense. Yeah. You know, And Nebraska's offense uh, is a good match. This is a good match for Nebraska in this game. And, and I think that uh, that uh, uh, Iowa just didn't have enough offense, mm-hmm. and and you sort of knew it going in. They'd sort of <laughs> gotten by that each week, but they just didn't have enough offense to make that into a game with Purdue. And they certainly could have. Nebraska's a different 
animal here in Nebraska got an offense, and they can, you know, they they can move the football. I mean, 479 yards a game. That's almost 100 yards more per game total offense than Purdue. But um, uh, where Purdue's really good is against the run. Mm. And so Nebraska's got to find a way to, to get their 100 yards or more on the ground because they're going to be able to throw the football. And, um, uh, you know, they allow a lot of yards passing. So you 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 can do that. But uh, uh, I think you see a Nebraska that's ready to take the next step. And uh, they've been so close. And uh, hopefully those those players have hung in, coaches have hung in. But uh, I, I think this is a, a game for Nebraska to, to go and take, and I think they win it. You know, and we talk about those those sudden change, high-stress moments. Maybe this is the week they finally get past that finish line and hang on in a close game. They've been right there, and Nebraska-Purdue's been pretty tight since it's been Frost v. Brom. Coach, let's get a thought here on some of the other Big Ten matchups. Uh, danger zone for Iowa headed to Wisconsin? Well, same thing. Um, just can Iowa's offense put up enough plays? I can't believe that Wisconsin's favorite in this game. So, somebody loves Wisconsin every week. Now, they were right last week. They were right last week, but they've been wrong every stinking week except last week. So last week, you know, I I, 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 I didn't think they could beat Purdue, but they did. So I don't know. Wisconsin's favored by three. I just I just think Iowa's too good defensively. Okay. Um, and I, I like Iowa to win the game. Michigan State hosting Michigan. You wearing some blue and uh, yellow this weekend? <laughs> no, I'm over that, Chris. I got over it last week. Okay, okay last so, week. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I just got over. It. Actually, it was last night, I think. And so, you know, I I just think because I'd rather be right than uh, root for the. Uh, somebody I, I I'm not in favor of, but uh, I think Michigan State wins this game. Period. Wow. Playing at East Lan- they're playing at East Lansing, and I think that place is going to be rocking and rolling. And so you know he got them last year. So I mm-hmm. I think that uh, I think he went. They win this game. Michigan State wins this game. All right. How about Penn, Penn State? They got uh, bulimed. Uh, just. Offensive line, run the football. Penn State wasn't ready. Uh, didn't look ready. Now they've got to go to the shoe. Uh, Penn State surprise you or is too much Ohio State? Too much Ohio State. Uh, they're really rolling right now. And quarterback's playing better. Uh, I think they've gotten their act together defensively. I don't know whether Penn State's got enough offense there, but the spread's 18 and a half. I think that's about right. I think I think that uh, Ohio State wins the game and, and maybe about, about that, that many points as well. Do we have a cocktail party surprise, Florida, Georgia? No. <laughs> next no. question. <laughs> yeah, next question. Find, find a better game than that, will you? Well, I just that's a rivalry. It's down in Jayville. I mean, they're always. It always seems to be kind of like low scoring. So. Well, uh, it's going to be low scoring for Florida. I can no. tell you that. So. <laughs> Georgia's Georgia's really good, uh, and they're playing at, at such a high level. Uh, Some good games, though, Chris. You know, Cincinnati, you got SMU and Houston. Yeah. Uh, The Cincinnati game's not a great name, but SMU and Houston uh, is a good game. Ole Miss and Auburn. I mean, that'll be pretty, pretty tasty. Ole Miss and Auburn should be a good game. Exactly. You got got a feel for Kentucky, Mississippi State? 
you know, I just think Kentucky's playing at a high level. Like I, uh, they're favored by one and a half. It's at Mississippi State. You know, I just think Kentucky. I think Stoops will defend uh, Leach in that game, mm-hmm. and I like Kentucky. Fresno State and uh, San Diego State. That's yeah, going to be dynamite. That is going to be a good football game, uh, and I don't know which way to go with it. I got two of my two of my former players and coaches on Fresno, so I'm going to go with Fresno. But uh, that one could go either way, either way. Coach, uh, last thought here about LSU and and Coach O uh, moving on. You surprised? No. It, it just caught up with him is what it did. I mean, you, you've read all the same things I've read. Yeah. And, you know, for years, you've sort of known that uh, Ed was, you know, enjoying his, himself. And so I think it just all caught up with him. And it happened. So what the heck? What do you do? Move what, on. What about uh, James Franklin? Do you believe in distraction out there? Or what do you what did you take yeah, on? Yeah, I think he's distracted. I think he's I think he's working to get out. I yeah. think he wants to go to SC. Yeah. But I think he'd take SMU or take LSU. I would still the Mel Tucker to LSU rumor. I I I listen more to that than anything else. I think you're right on with it. Gary Barnett with us. Coach, have a great weekend with the Buffs in Oregon. Thanks for a few minutes. Well, Chris, I'm glad you're feeling better and uh, have a great weekend. Good for Coach. Little uh, appetizer. Burke's Best Bets. Daddy Burke, VEASAN Sports Network on the way with Hale Varsity. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, preteen Swedish boy. Back into it, it's Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for Danny Burke, the pride of Chicago, VEASAN Sports Network. His show, Rush Hour. And, of course, uh, you hear him all over the country. And on uh, the uh, the app with iHeartMedia at Daddy Burke Five on Twitter is where you find him. Daddy, what's the podcast again, brother? Uh, the Chicago City Cast. So yeah, that's where you can hear me rant about every team that I am associated with, including Nebraska. So look, we obviously talk betting there too, Schmitty. But if you want my emotion of me screaming about the Bears and every other team, that just lets my hopes down. And that's another good way. You know, kind of just uh, laugh at my sorrows. But that's five episodes a week, wherever you get your podcast available. That is so good. And don't kid, don't kid the listeners. You totally took the over three and a half field turnovers last weekend. <laughs> I, it was funny. I actually was talking about that interception prop because it was like at a half, and it was dated to the over like minus one seventy. I was like. Look, I don't want to lay that high of a price, but it's inevitable. He, of course, is going to throw an interception in this game because every other quarterback except for Stafford, I think, like had thrown one. So, like, there's there's not a scenario where he doesn't throw at least one. Brother, make some money off your team's struggles with a rookie QB. <laughs> that's right. That's that's the only way to do it. Well, Daddy, uh, good to be with you, and let's dive into Nebraska-Purdue. These things are absolutely scary whatever it's nebraska purdue nebraska was a was ahead comfortably still won by 10 i think they covered last year the previous two years it's not been good and the number has jumped as we talk now to seven and a half nebraska favored danny that's uh that's a one score game my friend uh, this is, this game is just i i really don't even know what to expect because the advantage lies with the Huskers. That's pretty evident coming off the bye week, home field advantage as much as you want to give that. 
nowadays in handicapping. But, look, I know Purdue's had their bright spots, and they certainly, you know, I, I don't want to say exceeded expectations. I mean, beating Iowa, yes. But in terms of the other games, it's, it's not like they've done anything insanely impressive. They've just found a way to keep it close or win, albeit last week. But, look, I do think Nebraska gets the job done, Schmitty. Do I want to lay over seven points with them? Absolutely not. So, I think, again, and, and I sound like a broken record when I come on here, but really I think in-game might be your best strategy to see how the Huskers come out of the gate offensively, to see if that defense goes back to what we saw at the beginning of this season. And, heck, hey, maybe Purdue keeps it close a little bit and you can get Nebraska under the key number of seven, and then you can jump in on it because I don't think this is a game you rush to bet. And then you could be like, well, why wouldn't you take the seven and a half? It's just because – of how does Nebraska respond, especially after that bye week. It wouldn't shock me if we saw an outcome where Nebraska takes care of business and wins by a couple of touchdowns just to get our hopes up once again to think, all right, no, this team is kind of, you know, for real here. I, you know how it goes. It's a pattern with this team. So uh, no outcome really would surprise me for that game. And because that's the case, I think it's best to just stick away from this one, put on my hazmat suit and just not even get involved. Danny, what about that 52.5 point total? I'm looking at that and I'm going, with as good as Big Ten defenses have been in the red zone this year, and with uh, both these teams' abilities to really not be able to protect their own passer, 52.5 seems a little inflated. Yeah, it's tricky. These totals have been kind of tough to gauge with Nebraska games, I feel like. And if you can expect Nebraska to play defense, like I was kind of saying, like they have at the beginning of the year, I think they can limit Purdue enough to keep this total going under. Um, Nebraska offensively is, look, how much time is Martinez going to get and what is the play calling going to be? Is there actually going to be some downfield action? Is there going to be some accuracy in Martinez? And I think that's asking a lot from the offensive side of Nebraska in this type of Big Ten game. So I'm with you here. You know, I think it may be a tad bit inflated. I would probably seek the under out before the over. Danny Burke with us. VEASAN Sports Network, Pride of Chicago at Danny Burke 5. On Twitter, uh, Burke's best bets. So just you're staying the hell away from Nebraska, Purdue. Probably some in-game is the number. Yeah, I think that's really the best route. More so with just waiting for a better number for Nebraska. If Purdue gets out to a hot start, maybe they get up seven nothing, or you know they keep it within a field goal consistently. You can kind of the, the best thing about that is it's the greatest tool as a handicapper because you know the bookmakers can set their odds where they set them before the game, but when you wait and have some patience, you are able to get a sample size of how these guys are playing, what the rhythm's looking like, where the momentum is leaning, and if you know your team well enough, like everybody listening does with the Huskers. Then you can know how to handicap them once you understand what kind of game they're going out there playing after the bye week. So I would wait to see if you get a better number out of Nebraska. If not, heck, then enjoy the win if they're going to dominate from the beginning to the end. Are you Team Sparty or Team Wolverine this weekend? Uh, you know, I think Michigan, as in the Wolverines, gets the job done. I don't like laying four or four and a half with the spread. I think this could come down to a field goal game would not shock me, but not quite enough confidence in the Spartans to take the points. So the way that I handicap this one is it opens 53.5, dropped to 51.5 at the beginning of this week, Schmidt. And, you know, I played the under here. Both teams rely on the run, and both teams have a really good run defense, especially Michigan, who can limit Kenneth Walker enough. I think it's going to have the makings of that classic Big Ten battle type of game it's going to be gritty whoever gets the one or two big explosive plays is going to end up being the victor here but i think that's going to come at a premium so i think it's really going to be a game focused on the ground attack 
points aren't going to come that often. So if you could get 51 as the lowest, I would still play under because 51 is somewhat of a keyish number in terms of this game, you know, landing 27 to 24. Like I said, a field goal game. So I know there's a lot of 50 and a half out there, but if you're able to get 51 or 51 and a half, then I would jump in on the under. Danny Burks with us here, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And Danny, I want to move to some NFL action here with the last two minutes that we have. Uh, and tonight we have Thursday night football between the Packers and the Cardinals. The Packers down their top three receiving threats. But we learned today the Cardinals are going to be uh, without J.J. Watt. Looks like the Cardinals are a six-and-a-half-point favorite tonight at home. Yeah, I absolutely love the Cardinals here. And not that I'm laying the six-and-a-half, although that would be the direction I'd lean. I'm teasing them down, so you tease them down by six, and then you get Cardinals laying a half where they just need to win the game. I'm teasing them down, and believe it or not, I'm teasing up my Bears despite them missing a bunch of defensive players because the 49ers haven't done anything impressive. What, you barely held on week one against the Lions, and then you barely beat a team in Philadelphia who stinks 17-11? to 11. 49ers are arguably just as in a bad spot as the Bears are right now and this is a must-win game for obviously both teams but even more so for this Bears team and the, and the way they have success is by that ground attack and I hate saying that because it's never going to work against a team and a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers or against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers but in a game like this like how it works for the Bengals Lions and Raiders yeah you can give Khalil Herbert the ball 20 times and at least cover this spread so why not tease it up a little bit more so tease down Arizona to winning outright and then the Bears to plus nine and a half and then I also parlayed the Cardinals. I don't typically do parlays, but it's a better it's better odds than doing the teaser right now. So if you parlay the Cardinals money line and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers money line, that is a parlay I like involving the Cardinals too. And then a prop I did really quick, Aaron Jones over 58.5 rushing yards. Someone's got to provide the offense. Cardinals are second worst in the league, allowing about five yards per carry. Aaron Jones is going to have to be that main source of really production on that side of the ball. So look for him to get over 58 and a half rushing yards. Burke's best bets. Danny Burke with us. The pride of Chicago. VEASAN Sports Network. iHeartMedia all across the nation can hear him on uh, multiple affiliates. And, of course, uh, follow Danny on Twitter at DannyBurke5. Pride of Chicago, have yourself a weekend. I'm glad you got to see Touchdown Jesus last weekend. Hey, you know, it was a great game. It was finally awesome to be there, but it's nothing like Memorial Stadium. I'll tell you guys that much. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Great to have you back. Hail Varsity Radio winding down a Thursday. Reminder to buckle up. 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska not wearing a seatbelt. If used properly, seatbelts can and will reduce the risk of fatal injury by up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash. Buckling up. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Single barrel tomorrow. Come see us. Four to six. Get a thick, juicy steak in the single barrel. Get a whiskey. You will love it. And uh, someday I'm going to jump in a hot tub full of whiskey. We, we say hi to Deb the Spa Lady. Home Innovation Spas, 20th and Highway 2 in Lincoln off Industrial Road in Omaha. Spasonline.com. Deb, we could put a, a spa of whiskey together, couldn't we? Wow. You would be. <laughs> that would be coming out of your pores for months after that. Probably. Nebraska loses Saturday. The same thing might happen. <laughs> 
Oh, now that would be a first. I've never heard of anyone do that. I don't know what that would do to, like, the pump and all the plumbing and all of that. So but, let's just stick know, to the regular. Oh let's, stick, let's stick to the regular. <laughs> Just, okay. just have a drink. Have a drink in in the swim spa. There you go. Have a drink. If it spills in there, you know that's not going to hurt anything because I know there's probably been plenty of drinks spill in hot tubs. But maybe <laughs> spilling it completely wouldn't be the best idea. But I tell you what, today our guys are out delivering, and I just to tell you, you know, we can do it in just any kind of weather. We're out in uh, Burwell and O'Neill today Ooh. in this wind. I just, you know, I, just trying to get them back home is, is a chore for sure. But we'll, we'll do it. We deliver, you know, people will say, oh, gosh, you're not going to come today, are you? And, well, yeah, we got to come today because we're, bi- we're booked. We're so busy. So uh, you need to come in, pick out a spa. If we don't have it, we'll get it ordered for you. And uh, before you know it, it'll be here. So come in and talk to us. Deb, you'll, you'll find the perfect spa for them. Swim spa, eight-seater, two-seater. Uh, you'll get it in time for them for a Chiefs playoff run at minimum, correct? <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's just three games, right? Get over 500 I, I, and it's away you go. Uh, yeah, let's say that. Let's just go ahead and say that. Yeah, you bet. <laughs> when, Deb, when can folks come see you? You've been doing this three decades. You're incredible. Home Innovation Spa is a staple in Lincoln and around the, the Nebraska community. They can come see us Monday through Friday, 10 to 6. They can also come on Saturday, 10 to 4. So this Saturday, when you come to town for the game, stop in the store before you head down to the game. Pick out your spa. We'll get it on order or we'll get you scheduled for a delivery. And then you go enjoy a, a Husker victory. There what we a have great it. weekend. Double great dip. Weekend. Double dip. Uh, you bet. Do it. You bet. Deb, the spa lady, home innovation, spas 20th and Highway 2 in Lincoln off Industrial Road in Omaha. Spasonline.com. Get the Deb treatment. Go see her. Deb, missed you and uh, good to spend time with you today. Thanks for jumping on with us. Okay, Chris. Thanks a lot. Talk soon. All right. Deb the Spa Lady, Home Innovation Spas. We love Deb. Big thanks to Searles. You're awesome. Gary Barnett, Brandon Vogel, Danny Burke, Elijah Herbal. Single Barrel. Come see us tomorrow, 4 to 6 Roadshow, Inside the Graduate, getting ready for Nebraska-Purdue.